Hi, everyone. You're listening to Mind Your Works Unscripted, a series with candid discussions with less preparation and more conversation. I'm here today with my co-host, Jose Espinoza. We are here in person in beautiful, cloudy London, Ontario. Yeah, pretty gloomy. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is part two of our Unscripted series, talking about a podcast called Reply All, um, specifically an episode on the crime machine. So if you haven't listened to the first one, we encourage you to go back and listen to that before listening to this. Um, today, we're going to be talking about uh, the second part of this crime machine that was put together by the N NYPD by a gentleman named Jack Maple. And the first episode, we were really discussing you know, how this really improved the way the NYPD tracked and addressed crime, how they held themselves accountable for collecting better metrics. Today, we're going to be focusing on what went wrong with this, uh, with this system. There were some significant downsides to it. We're going to be talking about the dangers of metric chasing and how you know a potentially well-intentioned system can kind of rear its ugly head and have some negative consequences if not managed appropriately. And I did want to say, even though we're going to be talking about all the negative stuff in this second part, there are a couple of things that I think were ultimately little tidbits of what happened when they introduced Comstat that actually turned out to be good things. So whenever that's possible, uh, we'll try to sneak those in. But for the most part, this is the episode about when things went wrong and why they went wrong. <laughs> this is going to be a very <laughs> negative episode. Yeah. Which is why you should listen to them together, right? Part one and then part two. That way you can hear about all the good stuff that came from Comstat first. Exactly. So I guess generally there were three major consequences, unintended consequences from basically applying this crime machine, this CompStat management software. And really they come down to three things that the police officers directed by their chiefs started doing in order to improve their numbers, according to CompStat. The first of this is that they started downgrading crimes. So whenever possible, police officers would go out of their way to actually take a much more serious crime, which would basically be, be a bigger hit to their crime rate number and make it a, a lower crime. Uh, one of the stories in the episode talks about how a police officer called a superior down to a rape case. Um, basically, they had caught the assailant in the act of raping this woman. And because the woman was a prostitute, the superior actually tried to downgrade the crime to refusal of service. So it went from something that was a very serious felony, basically, to trying to make it a crime that for activity that's already illegal, prostitution, to a minor, basically misdemeanor, right? This person was refused service. It was a it was a theft of service, I think. Yeah, theft of service is ultimately, which is a ridiculous thing when you think about it in the context of a rape, right? So this actually is, I mean, it's a pretty extreme example. What one of the things that was systematically happening across the the police departments was that we're trying to take much more serious crimes and downplay them. So that on the stat sheet for Comstat, it looked like the crime rate, the serious crimes, were actually on their way down. Another unintended consequence was just randomly handing out summonses to individuals to increase their stats on activity to make sure that they were actually bringing people in and addressing the crime rate. So they would start handing out summonses to people who were just standing on the street encouraging, sorry, not encouraging, but basically giving them summonses for really silly things like obstructing like a public walkway or something or yeah. loitering when the person was really not doing anything wrong at all. And what made this worse is that they were also racial profiling. So if there was reports of crimes in a certain area, let's say like a young black male between like 14 and, and 17 committing a crime, they would just start handing out summons to people who fit that description, knowing full well it wasn't that person who did that crime, just because it fit the basic racial profile. 
So it looked like they were actually working hard to try and solve these crimes, but in fact, they were just trying to get their numbers up. Yeah. And then the last consequence, which is interesting, was the reason why the system was implemented, was that people literally started not reporting crimes, right? If it was something minor enough that they could get away with resolving it in quotation marks before having to make a report about it, that's what they would do. They would go out of their way to basically not report a crime if it was minor enough that they knew the person wasn't going to follow up on it. So obviously these are three pretty serious sets of consequences. Like we said before, we're talking about the kind of organization that ultimately affects people's quality of life. And really to us, uh, discussing this off mic, we think it reveals the problem with metric chasing. Mm -hmm. I think really the, the root of a lot of, this, a lot of these issues stemmed from a conversation that I think it was Jack, Jack Maple had a, with Mayor Giuliani of New York at the time. And so Jack's intention for this system was to reduce crime. And his philosophy, which I think makes a lot of sense, is that when you reduce crime, activity and arrests also goes down because you have less crime. The mayor had a completely different perspective. He said that, well, I mean, you, crime should go down and arrests should go up. Like we need to constantly you know, show that we're doing more and more for the community by, you know, having more and more arrests and, and crime should keep falling. And so that combination of objectives, reducing crime while simultaneously increasing arrests, twisted the system in such a way that it forced police officers to chase metrics, to chase quotas, to show that they were active in the community when in fact there wasn't necessarily crimes to police in the community. It, it basically forces them to, particularly in the activity case, to kind of generate some sort of way to create crime, right? Create crime on paper so that then it can go down, right? Whether it's true crime or not, um, it doesn't really matter. Ultimately, we just want the numbers to keep falling and we keep want our activity numbers to continue increasing. Exactly, yeah. So that was a huge source of, of the issues here. Yeah, I think, I think we maybe want to talk about that more generally. For other organizations, this just means you have to be very, very careful about A, what is the metric that you pick that you're going to tackle? because that is going to color the behaviors that your organization is going to engage in and your employees are going to engage in to, to make that metric keep going up if that's what you want. We want to increase performance in a particular sector, for example. Be really careful about the metric you choose and ultimately be really careful about how you're communicating how that metric is supposed to be interpreted. Something that's happening here is Jack Maple had an original interpretation of this metric, of the crime rate, that went along really well with the philosophy behind CompSat, right? We want to ultimately have more activity so we reduce crime. And then eventually we have to have less activity because we have less crime, right? When you twist that interpretation of the metric, however, to go in a, from more activity, crime goes down and that's the way it's always going to be, you're really getting a completely different picture of how you should be using this metric, right? So when you communicate down to the people who are gonna be boots on the ground doing this stuff, you have to be very clear about how the metric should be interpreted. What exactly does it mean for this performance metric to go up? What, what does that come from? And ultimately, how do we handle that? The other, the other factor that I think is really important to consider is that there is a ceiling on certain metrics. So for instance, if you think about, we'll use crime as an example here briefly. So like crime rates went down and we kind of alluded to, you know, some police chiefs fudging, fudging metrics and like misreporting activity. And so a next, the next, that person would get promoted because they did so well by cheating the system then the next person inherit their position and would have to um, beat the metrics of a cheater and then have to cheat further. Yeah, it becomes perpetual, right? Exactly. The system yeah. is built to basically sustain itself rather than address the problem of crime. Right, it, it, it worsens things, right? 
There is a parallel here in terms of uh, productivity. Um, I'm going to pick on Amazon for a second. Amazon warehouse workers are incentivized to be very fast at picking stock for shipping things. Mm-hmm. Those metrics, you know, if they meet their performance targets for efficiency, in the past, the organization has actually set higher targets for them to achieve. There is a pace at which it becomes humanly impossible to be efficient after a certain point. Um, And there was some some bad press that Amazon got about like not letting employees go for bathroom breaks or or whatever. And I'm I'm not sure how much truth there is to that or not. But as you scale up your goals for a certain metric, it becomes humanly impossible to meet them. So you can't always keep setting the bar higher and higher and higher, or in the case of the crime rate, you can't keep setting the crime rate lower and lower and lower and lower, or the activity rate higher and higher and higher. It's just not possible in some cases. Mm -hmm. Um, There will always be some degree of crime, I think. Um, And you cannot just blindly keep increasing activity across the board because at one point, it's just not possible to have a certain number of arrests if you have a low crime rate. Yes. So you have to be cognizant of that. Your, your metrics do have a ceiling sometimes. And, and I think even if you manage to find a metric that you could ultimately continue improving, you have to consider that at some point there are diminishing returns in the sense that because we're focused on this one particular metric, what else might be suffering because of it? Um, so for example, in the, in the sense of we're going to continue decreasing the time it takes us for us to package a box at Amazon you're probably going to at some point start hurting your employees' health and your employees' morale and their ability to continue performing over time. So even though you might be making more money because it takes us less time to package a box, you might be losing money somewhere else in terms of high turnover, right? So be really mindful in terms of the kinds of metric you pick. Well, at what point are we getting that kind of diminishing return? Are we going to start losing money somewhere else that if we continue looking at the sole metric we have, Really, we're not making any more money. We're not more profitable. We're not more performance. Our performance is not any higher because we're losing performance elsewhere in the organization. Right. So. There's there's no one single way to operationalize or to, to define performance. You can maximize efficiency and then you might find issues of quality. Customer satisfaction ratings might drop down because people were haphazardly picking items and, and damaging them potentially for shipping. Yeah. So your quality metric might get affected. Um, like you said, turnover might go up well-being might go down, engagement scores might go down. Um, There are a whole host of other metrics you need to look at in concert to really understand the full picture of things. And optimizing for a single metric, like productivity or like arrests, really ignores a larger picture and can be very dangerous. I think it's really important in in, in this kind of case where your leadership needs to be really well-educated on the kinds of metrics you're using so that they understand holistically so that when someone has to report up and say, oh, actually, you know, our, our turnover is much higher, they're able to understand that really what might be happening is because we've been focusing on this other metric for so long, it's leading to higher turnover. You need to be able to kind of look at everything as one, right? Consider all of the metrics that we're employing and maybe think about, well, what are other metrics that might give us the context to understand what's happening in an organization? Don't just hone in on a single thing. It, it can really lead to kind of a dangerous system that ultimately perpetuates itself, right? And which is what we found is happening at, at the NYPD here. There's actually a, a name for this when you implement a kind of system or metric and encourage uh, people to you know, maximize that metric, uh, it can have unintended negative consequences. It's called the, the COBRA effect, I believe. And it stems from an initiative that British colonists in India implemented. They were concerned about the, num- the number of venomous snakes uh, in India, in Delhi, I think specifically. And so they put out like a bounty basically for these snakes. And they said, any, any person who brings in a dead cobra will get money from us. And so this worked really, really well. Initially, cobra populations went down. 
But then they were like enterprising individuals who decided, hey, what if I actually breed cobras and then kill them and then bring them in, I'll get money. And they started doing that and they, <laughs> they became fairly rich from it. Um, <laughs> the, the British government basically caught wind of this and they were like, okay, well, we can't, this is obviously not working. So let's get rid of the bounty. And then the additional unintended consequence of this is all the cobra breeders had these snakes, which were now useless from an economic standpoint. So they released them. And the population of snakes actually went up, I think, to a higher level than originally. So this wow. system completely backfired. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's kind of like an interesting, uh, an interesting tale of what could potentially happen when you encourage people to chase a metric. There is an interesting parallel to engagement metrics and organizations with self-report surveys. If you encourage managers to maximize their employee engagement, specifically as it pertains to a metric, like making sure your employees are answering seven out of seven, I'm engaged at work or my work has meaning or, or whatever. If you just chase that metric alone, you can incentivize managers to manipulate employees to answer their surveys in a certain way. And that can take any number of forms from trying to think of like examples of what a manager would do. I mean, legitimate pressure to just say, hey, just answer seven across the board. Don't even look at the questions. Right? It might just be as simple as that, right? As an employee who's just being given the survey and you're getting a direction from your manager to just, just go seven across the board, this doesn't really matter. Or even worse, you say, hey, if you answer anything lower than seven, this is the kind of thing that might have influenced the kind of resources we get in this department, right? Yeah, true. The other department is getting sevens across the board. It looks like they're doing really well. They're going to get the things they need to accomplish their work and we won't if we don't kind of keep up with the Joneses, right? Yeah. Yeah, by association, managers could actually punish employees potentially for answering lower than a certain value. And so, you know, if they get their team metrics back, the engagement isn't a perfect seven out of seven, they'll know someone on the team didn't respond perfectly. And what you're doing here is basically divorcing the true concept of employee engagement from the metric and turning that metric into like a basically a perverse version of what it's intended to be. Yeah. You're really trying to maximize employee let's say happiness or engagement, making sure that they're, they're, they're enjoying their work. And if you just chase that number, it, it becomes meaningless, really. And it makes anything that you would want to do to improve actual engagement useless because you can't get any movement into measure. Right. If everybody's at a seven, we get range restriction, which is basically a fancy way of saying that you can't go any higher than seven. There's, there's nothing that we can do. So it doesn't matter whether what you're actually doing in terms of improving engagement or improving performance in any other intervention you're not going to get any movement on your measures. So you're not going to be able to show to higher ups that, hey, what we're doing actually matters. We're getting an improvement yeah. in what we care about because you can't get any higher numbers. Um, the, everything's at seven already. Everything's at 10, whatever your metric tends to be. Yeah, and that's an inherent problem of self-report scales in a sense that they have a ceiling. And sometimes if yeah people are reporting high levels of engagement, you can't really assess the effectiveness of an intervention at that point yeah. um, because you can't get any higher than seven. It's a historically consistent issue in things like performance appraisals, right? Yeah. Um, we, we haven't covered performance appraisal in, on Mind Your Work yet. We will in the future because it's a can of worms in itself. But one of the major problems there is that managers don't want to upset anybody by giving you know accurate lower performance scores because they have to deal with the person that got the lower performance scores, right? Right. So they're just going to give everybody really high numbers and just kind of placate everyone. And that's completely useless for the organization if they're trying to decide who they're going to promote or maybe who needs additional training, who's missing resources that in order to improve their performance, right? So it just hurts the organization overall when that happens. So as a, as a wrap up here, what's your, what's your big takeaway from this part of the episode? I think the thing that stood out the most to me in terms of 
what's happening with the crime machine is that you have one single metric. And in this case, it was crime rate. They're going out of their way to continuously decrease crime rate. That's the thing that mattered the most. And of course, that was tied to higher levels of activity, et cetera. But I think the main thing you can do is that if you're someone in an organization right now and you feel like we are misusing a metric, the first thing that you should be fighting for is to include more metrics, include a more complete picture of performance or whatever issue you're trying to tackle your organization. Go out of your way to try and get others to also champion the idea of adding something more than just our typical engagement score. Are there other indices that we can have in the organization that are ready available that we can maybe measure instead? So just give us a more context, right? More context is always better because something that is going to be captured in one measure might not be captured in another. So you kind of want to balance the pros and cons of each measure out so you really have a more complete understanding of what's happening. In the context of community police work, if you're just chasing crime rates and activity or arrests, what do you think would be another good metric to add to that? Like maybe like a community satisfaction rating or something with yeah, the policing? I, I think or- community police work is you know the idea of, of basically kind of customer satisfaction, right? Get an understanding of particular of people who are overly represented in like arrests. So mm-hmm. honestly, black young males, how do they feel in terms of does the police, you know, in their area actually benefit them? Does increased police presence make a difference in terms of how safe they feel in their communities? Yeah. That'd be one way to get a sense of, well, actually, this is pretty clearly even though our arrests are going up, are the people who are being arrested feel less safe in their communities? That seems yeah. to suggest that there's something that we're missing here, right? I don't think it's particularly easy, like you said, in the case of police work, given that there are so many police officers who you can't kind of account for in yeah. terms of what they're doing during their day. Um, but it's something that that would be one way to get a pulse of the community, see how safe do they actually feel in their communities. I actually think that one thing that some police forces are doing is um, giving police officers body cams, which helps you get a sense of not the what, but also the how. So are you making an arrest? Yes or no? Okay, that's that's a metric. But then the body cam helps provide a richer context for how that arrest was made, what are the circumstances around that, and providing richer data. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so on one hand, that kind of like decreases police officers' perception of how trusted they feel by their employer. But at the same time, it does provide richer data in a sense. And I, I think it's all how, how you package that, that approach and, and the reasoning that you provide for that. Because I mean, at the end of the day, it's to protect the community. Yeah, and, and the officer sometimes as well, right? I mean, it's, it's protect both parties. Yeah, there's an account of why you made this arrest and now you can defend yourself in court as a police exactly. officer to say that I did it the correct way, right? I, I followed all the rules that I could. I followed proper procedure. This was an appropriate exchange of what my role as a police officer is in this community, right? Yeah. So Nick, what would your takeaway be? That is an excellent question. I think my big takeaway from this is that people... People want to succeed. I think people want to do a good job. But if you present someone with a system and force them to achieve a metric that is not in the best interest of both the community, well, let's just say in both the best interest of the customer and the employee, if it doesn't help both parties, people will unfortunately choose themselves. They'll choose self-preservation over benefiting uh, their stakeholder or the community or the customer. Yeah. Um, because, you know, they want to do a good job. They want to look good. They want to get a promotion. And so if your metrics and the way you measure and incentivize things pits one side against the other, people are going to choose themselves in the interest of self-preservation. So whatever system you have in place, you need to ensure that it benefits 
both sides of the equation or, you know, all three sides of the equation or whatever number of stakeholders you have in yeah. place. So you have to think about all of the groups involved, not just the community, not just the employees, not just the customers. Um, you have to think about everyone and make sure that how you're measuring performance is is beneficial for everyone. Yeah. And, and I think importantly, it's it's okay to get that wrong on the first try. It's okay to have a measure that you then realize is maybe deficient in some way or contaminated in some way. Sure. It's part of the process. Yeah. And then modify it. Don't be afraid to modify it. I think the problem is that if you come up with this measure and then you say, well, if we change it now, you won't be able to compare to what we did last year. That's okay. The whole point is saying we weren't able to compare because that measure was not good enough. Yes. Right. So go out of your way to modify it. Exactly. Yeah. Don't prioritize having trending data just for the fact that you have historical data. Um, change the metric if it's not working and have integrity and own up to it and say, we're trying our best here to figure out how to operationalize or measure these things. And we didn't get it quite right this time, but own up to it and say, we're working to do better for everyone. Yeah. And even if you make a mistake the first time, people will understand that because it's, it's a difficult thing to do. But if you own up to it, then you know you can pivot and be honest and transparent about it. I think you'll have better outcomes that way. Yeah. And from a practical perspective, I think if you're working in HR or you're working in a sort of in a data analyst position or any way that you have to present this information to someone else and explain to them why this was so difficult, I think the story of the Cobra effect is a really good, really easy to grasp way of presenting the kinds of problems we might have if we don't go out of our way to modify our measures. If we don't realize that our measure was broken in some way, it wasn't good enough in some way, we need to make changes without having to go into this really long explanation of the crime machine and refile and how fascinating <laughs> this podcast is. Um, I think the Cobra effect is a really good, succinct story to tell to, to make it clear as to why this is an issue, right? This yeah. is why we have to be better than this. Yeah, it's a common mistake to make. That's all we have for you guys today. We really, really appreciate you listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you have any comments or suggestions or questions for us, you can email us at mindyourworkpodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can also reach out to us on Twitter at mindyourwork.io. And we have a website too, mindyourwork.io. You can reach us through any of those different mediums. And as always, I'm Nicholas. I'm Jose. And we'll see you soon. Kojak, get in your pillow. <laughs> Kojak, get in your pillow. He's like, no. But I want to hang out with my dad. Good boy. You be oh. quiet. All right? Be good. All right.